0: Hey everyone, this is Beer is a Conversation and today I've got with me Phil O'Shea, founder of Five Barrel Brewing in Wollongong. Founded in December 2015, Five Barrel has gone from strength to strength, bringing on brewer Brent Edwards from Good George in New Zealand, winning gold medals for its beers and investing in the paddock to pint philosophy. In between all of this, Phil has even had time to develop his own brewery management software. So we talk about all of this and more on this edition of Beer is a Conversation. So, hey, Phil, thank you so much for coming on the Beer is a Conversation podcast.
1: No dramas. Thank you very much for having me.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Now, obviously, I've done a little intro, but um, for our listeners, uh, tell us a little bit more about Five Barrel. You're practically veterans of the industry now. um, So take us back to the beginning. Um, How did you even get into brewing and what made you want to start Five Barrel?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, we've been um, going since uh, December 2015. The journey started... Probably two years before that, I I was living and working in Sydney. I had a had a great relaxed lifestyle, living really close to the office. Um, I, I spent ten dollars a week in bus tickets um, <laughs> to to get to and from uh, the office. And then they decided to move from the city to out west, and um, I got very sick of the hour and a half commute each way. So I decided to pack my bags and travel the world for a little bit. So I, um, went to America, went to Europe and, you know, saw that there was such an amazing culture around beer, um, that I felt was missing particularly in Wollongong because at that stage, you know, Wollongong had some of the most violent venues in, in the entire country. You know, you'd go out in Wollongong and... You'd see people get glassed and, you know, fights and, you know, security guards picking people up and throwing them onto the street. And you know, I felt that, you know, if, if you can be in New York City in a bar with 300 people in it and they didn't even have a bouncer at the door, then you could have a venue in Wollongong, you know, that didn't, you know, that, that adults could be adults, behave responsibly um, around alcohol. And that, and that was really, you know, w- what I wanted to bring to Wollongong. Um, you know, I was in my late twenties and, and really felt like, you know, um, I needed something in the area that was, was for me. And I felt that there wasn't anything really there that was, um, at that stage. So, when, when I came home, I moved back in with my um, uh, parents and basically just um, started brewing with the view to start a brewery. And, um, yeah, so signed a lease at the start of 2015, figured out that no one really even knew what a brewery was back then. Um, you know, my, my first meeting with council was incredible. They, I bet. They, um, <laughs> You know, they thought that we were going to be the next CUV. So, like, th- yeah, they they started talking about upgrading roads. Um, you know, and and
0: <laughs> like you are going to have huge lorries. Buried. Oh, it was it was
1: incredible, and and I was like, you know, no, you know, think think like a bakery you know think of that kind of scale (laughs) like they they were seriously talking about you know truck movements and things like that and i was like i kind of felt like i was in over my head kind of thing um but look we we managed to navigate our way through it and yeah the start of at the end of 2015 we opened the brewery um we had like maybe a thousand dollars in the account after that point because um you know, we spent way, way too much money on red tape. So, you know, we, we went, um, to the tip, we went to op shops, we, you know, just got really cheap furniture, we decked the place out and basically for the first year or so we traded, um, within all the funny rules and restrictions that council, um, had given us and, uh, you know, we, we've just slowly grown from there. So, um, yeah, from very humble beginnings, we uh, um, we've uh, I think we've achieved a lot in the last seven and a bit years.
0: Absolutely. And how are the council viewing breweries now? Obviously, you sort of led, not, I don't know if there was anyone there before you, but led the way a little bit in terms of um, educating them on what a brewery actually is and what it actually does, um, rather than being a nightclub or a big box yeah. hotel type thing. Yeah. Oh, it, was,
1: it was incredible. The, the journey has been has been amazing. And, and we, we were the second in the area. Um, the first was Illawarra Brewing Co. And It was explained to me way back when, but they they basically got through on, on, uh, like, the tourist angle. Um, So we were the first ones that came at it from a manufacturing production um, side of things. So council didn't know how to deal with it back then, but we um, helped uh, council understand the kind of pathways that they needed to, you know, go through to smooth this stuff out. And since then... Um, I think that there's six or seven breweries in the area. Um, there's three distilleries now, so we're certainly a, um, a a region that produces a lot of you know craft, you know beer and and um, uh, spirits. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that we played a part in um, getting us to this point because, you know, a big part of what we have tried to do over the last seven years is is develop that that really positive culture, um, mm-hmm. you know, to get people to understand that beer isn't just a commodity, that there's, there are significant points of difference between, you know, something that we create and something that um, comes from, from one of the majors.
0: Absolutely. And what was that initial sort of reaction from the locals like? Were they like, what is this? This isn't, what we're used to kind of thing and have they fully leaned into it now um for the tap room and things like that
1: yeah 100 percent. so we were very much a, a vb to his new kind of town when we started so um i can remember um pricing up what we needed to charge for an ipa and just you know like uh, putting my head in my hands wondering <laughs> how the hell are we going to make money doing this cuz yeah. there's no way that people were going to be, be paying you know 28 30 for a four pack of an IPA back then mm-hmm. and so we we basically just had to start out with you know simple um golden ale pale ale um you know we ha- we had a dark beer and and we we had a, a hoppy amber that was essentially a red IPA that we you know, couldn't get away with calling it an IPA. But, um, you know, so for, for, yeah, a few years, we, we just kind of, you know, encourage people to expand their horizons. And, um, and yeah, I, I think that the craft beer scene in the area has evolved um, somewhat. I, I feel like it's still got a way to go um, because we, we don't really have too many craft... Be dedicated venues down here um, outside of the breweries themselves yeah I, it, it's really kind of hard to gauge how the, the general public has um, like really embraced craft I, I feel like there are there are areas in, in Australia that um, do it a lot better um, and it just means that we need to you know look at what they're doing and, and work really hard to help educate consumers and whatnot um,
0: absolutely. Um and it's really interesting that you say um about Wollongong being a little bit of a maybe a bit of a wild wild country um in the past. Yeah. Uh, is that still the case in certain areas or is that very much changing now and how much do breweries have to do with that?
1: Yeah, look, it's it's changed dramatically. You know, um we we're, we're actually uh, considered a bit of a poster child um throughout the rest of the country for dealing with this kind of stuff. Um Way back when, uh, licensing police would—they um, actually I- embraced bigger venues um, because they felt like they were the, going to be in the best position to manage, um, you know, alcohol-related problems and whatnot.
0: Oh, fascinating! Um,
1: however, you know, there was a lot of data and a lot of conversation around actually opening up lots of small venues so that people don't get out of control in the first place. So. You know yeah like a lot of work has been done in the area to to um kind of ward that kind of thing off and so we've got an amazing small bar culture down this way we've got gin bars we've got whiskey bars we've got wine bars um we've got uh you know small tuppers you know restaurants and and things like that and you know there there is a lot of alcohol in the area but there's nowhere near the Level of problems that, that we used to have, um, and you know, for, from from a brewery perspective, I, I genuinely feel that we play a, a really good role in in that because you know, at at the brewery we don't have um, uh, we don't have poker machines, we don't have uh, screens, um, we close at nine o'clock, and really, you know, we try and we've tried to develop this as. That, that sense of third space, you know, so you've got a, a place outside of home and work that you come and you engage with the community, you know, you, you meet with your friends and, you know, you have two or three beers instead of feeling like you need to have seven or eight. And that's yeah. what we've really tried to encourage.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And I think part of what makes breweries so brilliant in that respect is that you know people do get to know each other in them and you see those familiar faces and you have the regulars and you're much less likely to act like a fool if you're gonna get um grief for it or you're gonna embarrass yourself in front oh, of your mates it's,
1: <laughs> you feel so awful when you, everyone's having a, a really good time on a saturday afternoon mm-hmm. and you get a, a bucks party roll up and oh, yeah. everybody else in the venue just stands up and walks out you know <laughs> yeah. like
0: you know, you you know what to expect don't yeah you? yeah <laughs>
1: like it's it's it it is just absolutely shocking to see um you know so we we try really hard to discourage that kind of thing because we have so many families um come through we've got uh you know people with their kids people with their dogs and and they kind of they're here to sit and have a good time and and relax without you know too much of the, the negative sides of um, yeah. drinking.
0: Yeah, fascinating. I think that's really interesting. And I, I wonder, you know, we talked a lot about like tree change and sea change over COVID and stuff like that. Did you get a lot more people, for instance, coming from Sydney um, during COVID, doing all that kind of stuff like we did in, um, we're up, I'm up in southeast Queensland and we obviously had a, quite a lot of that during COVID. Did you see the same sort of thing? Are there more people moving into Wollongong and, and the surrounding areas? And does that sort of change anything about the town and, and the region?
1: Yeah, we certainly had a lot of people moving out of Sydney. Um, I, I um, live in Kiama, so I'm about Thirty minutes south of um, Wollongong, so through through the entire area, we've had so many people move out from from Sydney, um, and you know they they look to enjoy the lifestyle that comes with it. So, um, you know, one of the other massive positives that we had from COVID was was this support local um, movement that that really um, we missed out on during the GFC, um, and. COVID was was really this wake-up call to a lot of people that, you know, support your local businesses, use it or lose it. Um, and, you know, like, because we, we're we a small producer ourselves, um, we uh, would work quite a lot with a lot of small family restaurants and, you know, things like that. So, unfortunately, the vast majority of those that um, that we, you know, worked with um, closed during COVID, so you know it, th- 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 there's been some good and there's been some bad, um, you know, through that.
0: Yeah, and how did uh, how did everything go with Fire Barrel during that period? Then um, I'm not sure how much uh, trade is through the tap room, or um, yeah. is it more distribution? Or how did all that kind of stuff work?
1: Yeah, so um, our, our distribution footprint is is pretty small. We we stick to you know the Illawarra for the most part we do get a bit out to sydney a little bit to newcastle a little bit to canberra um but yeah like the vast majority of what we do really relies on on uh local and our tap room so um at the start of covid um we uh made a commitment to buy a canning line because we were we were um hand bottling or we're bottling at that stage. Oh um, god. So <laughs> takes yeah, take a
0: while, does not it? <laughs>
1: yeah, well, like we we um so just before covid hit, like I can remember having the conversations We we knew that we needed um to invest in canning and then you know you heard this like on the news what is this covid stuff and we we kind of um Put the expansion plans like on the back burner but you know once we got a uh, you know three or four weeks into lockdown we kind of figured out that you know we've we've got to do something like the, those first couple of weeks of COVID were absolutely dreadful and rather than sitting around feeling sorry for ourselves we felt like we needed to use it as an opportunity to keep the business going so we we you know we put so much energy um, back into the business and um, yeah we, we got the canning line we bought more tanks we you know changed our, our business model dramatically um, to keep up with that um, and at, at the start of COVID um, like my, my wife and I had our second child um we, oh God. yeah we add,
0: add all the busyness on then. I know, I know. <laughs> and
1: we we learnt that she was born um uh, uh, severely deaf as well. Um, so, you know, we were we were dealing with all of those kinds lot, of things. Yeah. And, um so uh it, this this week's actually um Deaf Awareness Week.
0: Oh fantastic. Yes, yes, Everyone right. make take <laughs> note.
1: Yeah, a little uh, plug for that. So we yeah, so that that was that was interesting. Like it was my first like real uh, experience of um, stress and anxiety being like physically manifested. Um, and my my wife said to me, look, like something's got to change. You've you've got to stop you know putting 70 80 hours a week into the business and you've got to figure out a way of Coming home for dinner, you know, yeah, seeing your kids and, and things like she's that. She's a wise
0: so, woman, your wife. Oh yes, wise yeah, woman. yeah, yeah. She's, um, <laughs>
1: they, she's, uh, she's pretty good. She's amazingly supportive.
0: Um, oh, fantastic!
1: And yeah, so that was when we we kind of really, you know, had to really review everything that we did at the brewery. Um, the 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 entire business needed to be rejigged, um, and. So coming out of COVID, it was, you know, essentially like, like a completely new business. Um, And that's, that's the way that we, that we viewed it. And the, that's the way that locals embraced it. And, um, you know, I, I think it's been an amazing, you know, couple of years for us.
0: Oh, fantastic. And so what what sort of changed about the strategy then? Were you looking more at distribution uh, and things like that? How have you sort of changed that business um, so fundamentally?
1: I, I reckon it was having the confidence to um, charge for what the product is actually worth.
0: Oh, okay. So, Do you so think you weren't doing that before?
1: No, no. and And... You know like i, I said uh, way back when you know we'd drop our margin on our ipa to make sure that um you know it would sell and i genuinely feel that coming out of COVID, like when we started saying look like we right ra- we can we can do two things we can um drop the amount of hops we put into a beer we can you know use a cheaper malt supplier um you know we can you know put pressure on our suppliers and you know, uh, do whatever we can to screw every cent out of, out of everyone that we, that we could or we could lean into it and we could actually have that conversation with people and say, listen, you know, we, we, can't, we can't do it the way that we were doing it before and my time is actually worth something. Um, you know, like w- without charging the right prices for our products, I wouldn't be able to employ people. I, you know, um, I would still be working the, the brewery floor instead of employing two people full-time to brew, employing two people full-time to package. Um, you know, so, like, having the confidence to, you know, get out and, and talk to our customers like that, I, I felt was, was a, a huge change. Um, you know, it, it made me realise that, you know, we provide a significant amount of value um, and, you know, it's up to us to convey that to our customers.
0: Absolutely. And I think so many, especially smaller brewers, feel that pressure. Yeah. You know, you, you say uh, um, like Wollongong used to be like a VB kind of place. And you comp- you start off comparing yourself like no one's going to buy this beer because look at how much VB is yes. going for or yes. whatever. And you think, oh, God, we're going to have to compete on that level. But actually, like you say, the things that a small brewer, craft brewer can add to That whole process and that whole experience is worth more than that. And, you know, we see like uh, premiumization trends in the bottle shops and things like that. People are willing to spend more money on a quality product even if they are like pushed a little bit for cash with inflation going up and stuff like that. If you're going to get a treat, you're going to get a good treat for yourself effectively and let's make 100%. that treat craft beer. <laughs> like, yeah, why don't we do that?
1: <laughs> no, 100%. You drink drink one or two beers that you know that you're going to really, really enjoy
0: mm-hmm.
1: rather than a six-pack of, of something that you only bought because it was cheap. Absolutely. You know? and, and, yeah. and, and that's like, like coming out of COVID – you know, sure. I've I've upset some of our customers. Like
0: I was gonna say, how did it go? Yeah, Were there some grumbles? Look, <laughs> I've
1: I've had I've had so many conversations, um, and and one of them was just recently. One of them, um, that they, they they bought a can of our beer at an event that was being run locally, and they said, "Oh, you know, I hope that's the last time I pay ten dollars for a can of your beer." And it's like, well, well, hang on, you know. The, the people who who run those pop up bars and and things, you know, for for like festivals and whatnot, like they they need to be paid. Like you know, there's a lot of work that goes into all of this stuff, and and people need to appreciate that. Um, you know, you you can't pay three or four dollars for a tinny like you would if you were going to Dan Murphy's and buying it, like. So, you know, really like I guess it's just really trying to get people to understand that, you know, the beer, the product that we make is is different to what CUB makes and, and whatnot and we we can't get away with selling a carton of beer for $45.
0: Um, no. They can't get away with it these days. To be no, there. no. But,
1: but, you know, we still have these yeah. conversations with people. You know, sometimes yeah. we, we still walk into restaurants and... and, and um, and they say, look, if, if you can't, you know, match a, a $50 carton, I'll continue buying from, you know, um, the majors. And, well, all right, I guess you, you're just not our, you know, target market.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And how have you found that reception from, like, venues and stuff like that? Do some people get it and then some people just don't? Like you say, they, yeah. they're still happy to yeah. go for, yeah. yeah. I, some, I, I some, guess you're to be expected.
1: Some people get it, some people don't. Um, mm-hmm. Some people... Um, I, I, I find it really, I find it really interesting because I, I there's parallels with um, uh, this movement um, and like the wage movement. Like everybody is uh, quite happy to understand the value of their time, but when it comes to uh, valuing other people's time, they they don't really. They don't really get it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: so if you walk into a, a restaurant, a really nice restaurant, you know, they do $30 mains and, and um, you know, have nice bottles of wine and they've got $7 VBs there. Um, mm-hmm. They understand that, you know, a huge amount of work goes into preparing that meal and that there's hours and hours of work that goes into getting it to the point where it, lands on your table Mm -hmm. but beer is just you know it's just a commodity yeah you know they don't understand that there is a difference between a vb and a locally made lager um you know so like the craft brewing industry employs you know so many more people per liter of beer produced Mm -hmm. um
0: yeah
1: you know the the cub cub's footprint in the Illawarra is one sales rep, all of the craft breweries, you know, uh, around here, you okay. know, we probably employ 30 people all up, maybe more. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like all of that needs to be taken into consideration when you you, know, you make these purchasing decisions. And mm-hmm. and the reality is you can still have your 7 $8 VB on your restaurant menu, but... Have a have a $10 IPA or pale ale, you know, Absolutely. sitting there as well.
0: Yeah, and that's about choice for customers as well. Like, that makes sense. And you might even end up converting a VB drinker who doesn't yeah. necessarily want a VB with his $50 steak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. You know? Oh, very interesting. And I mean, this this goes into and this this uh, focus on values and um, a bit more care that goes into what you make is, is such a key thing. for the brewing industry and one of its major strengths and something that it should potentially market even a little bit more. And I know uh, we spoke a few months ago now, I think, um, about the beer de maison you did for um, Gabs, which was a really interesting story. Um, So why, I mean, I I already know, so sorry, everyone, I'm just going to repeat this one. Um, But for our listeners, uh, why did you want to do something like that? And and can you explain a little bit about that and the, the beginnings of the beer de maison?
1: Well, yeah. So, so for the same reasons I've mentioned earlier, like beer has been a, has been commoditized and as a brewer, I understand the the difference between you know VB and the beer that I produce. I keep saying VB. There's nothing wrong with it, but
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it was you know, just, know, it's, it's just an
1: example. <laughs> um, and and uh, you know, so I felt like I was looking at my ingredients in the exact same way that 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 restaurant owner would look at me versus um a a major beer and i felt like that wasn't a path that i wanted to go down i and i wanted to explore a lot more about what actually went into um the the beer we make so um it, it wasn't too difficult to find but you know we we found that you know voyager they're out in griffith they're in new south wales they um uh they do their own malting and, and whatnot. I've I've known Stu for a little while, and same with the uh, team at Ryfield down in Bemboka. So, um, my my goal this was pre COVID was to actually get out to these places and see what it's all about. Um, take um, yeah, So this was before we'd hired Brent, um, the brewer. Um, so you know it was it's been in the back burner for for a while to to just understand a bit more about Um, you know, what goes into the ingredients that make beer. So when we were coming out of COVID, um, we got the email through, you know, did you want to submit for Gabs? And we'd never done a beer for Gabs before. And we always felt that if we were going to do a beer, it needed to be, still be authentic and unique. Um, So, you know, we weren't, weren't, you know, into the the you know donut beers or the whale vomit stuff so yeah um, <laughs> yeah but but we I, I bought the the idea of um doing a, a locally produced beer again and um the missing component was yeast and uh so we've got a friend who started a yeast lab here in wollongong um josh from mogwai labs mm-hmm. um i floated the idea to him that we uh you know, go out and do some foraging and whatnot, and um he had uh, just isolated some yeast from a locally foraged golden waddle.
0: Oh, serendipitous
1: yeah, yeah, so it was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, we were all pumped, so we we didn't know what the yeast. Did at that stage, so we didn't know whether it was a clean yeast or um, whether it was going to sour or, or whatever it was. So we we kind of had to commit to making something without knowing what the hell it was going to turn out to be like. So, <laughs> it, like it was a bit scary, um, yeah. but we we just chose something really simple, um, mm-hmm. and the the gist was pilsner and wheat, which um, you know almost. Irrespective of what the yeast was going to do, it would come out nicely. And we we um, uh, we used uh, fresh hops from uh, Ryefield because it, it turned out that um, that they were picking just around when we um, you know needed to brew this beer. So oh, that's
0: all coming together yeah, yeah, very so well. <laughs> oh, it,
1: it it ended up being being um, yeah timed to perfection. So we yeah. were very pleased with with that. So we went out to Griffith. We went to see Stew. Uh, he walked us through uh, his process, and we we went out and met Chris, the the farmer that made the grain that we used, and um and we we filmed all of this, and we we started thinking about, you know, uh, how many people were involved in all of this. Like it was amazing, you know. So I, you know, I know that we've got a, a team of four here that makes every you know every beer that we um that we that goes out our door, but there's dozens and dozens of people involved in, you know, the farming and, and the malting and, and whatnot. And and it was the same for the for the hops. Um, you know, like there's a lot of work that goes into, you know, these ingredients and it's so important for these communities that these places are, um, you know, located in. So, you know, I, I just found it stunning, um, the, the work that was going on out there. And I'm, I'm just so pleased that the beer turned out um turned out the way it did
0: absolutely and i think that's really fascinating as well because um you know, we talk about the difference between urban breweries and uh, rural ones, for instance. And, you know, you see people like Hawks looking at really interesting, like, indoor farming techniques. And and they're obviously in the middle of the city. But we ha- we have to accept that it is much harder for a city brewery, a town brewery, to be connected to their ingredients. You know, you're not like Van Diemen, you can grow stuff in your backyard yeah. type of thing. Um, so do you think that urban brewers are a little bit disconnected from that Um provenance um generally and is that something that we need to work on or are they aware but just you know the limitations of where they are i guess
1: um i can't speak to every brewery uh, Mm. for every brewery but i i say you know prior to us going out there and experiencing it and talking to voyager and bryfield um we were definitely disconnected we you know you, you send out an email or you ring up someone and it gets delivered on your doorstep and, and that's it. Um, whereas I think that um, if if we put a little bit more thought into it, um, I mean, you, d- you don't have to do too much, I, I don't think. Like, I think that if you're just aware of it and aware of the importance of, of um, what goes into this stuff, then I think that that's, that's as good as you can really expect the average person brewer to be, you know, um, m- most, most people, um, get stuck in just the, the cycle of production life. Um, you know, it's, it's very, uh, you, you, know, um, focused on, on the task at hand and, you know, you don't, yeah, we don't do too much sitting around you know, just, yeah. Pontificating. Yeah, 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's really hard. That's a really hard question. I'd, I'd like to see more. Obviously, I'd like to see more people do it, and I'd like to see us do more of it as well. Um, yeah, I think it's just too easy to fall into that trap of um, th- those ingredients are always going to be there. Um, the reality is when you get out and you talk to someone like Chris, and you understand the reason why he's a regenerative, a regenerative farmer, you start to understand a little bit why um, grain prices vary so much year to year and why, you know, when you get that email from your supplier that prices are going up, um, you know, there's a reason behind that. And as much as you, you know, hate seeing those kinds of emails, you would also hate it even more if uh, Chris and his family couldn't survive doing what they're doing.
0: And I think the, the point you made about you know treating your ingredients the way you'd want to be treated in a venue is so important to that and that sort of empathy with the whole supply chain is... Um, is something that sets the brewing industry apart a little bit you know there's there's always room for improvement but there's something that we do we do care about as an industry where our ingredients come from and how they're being made and um, all that kind of stuff even if it's just a passing interest rather than an in-depth knowledge about it um, I think they do care Um, but do you think consumers care do you think customers on that side of things care or is it something that we should just do as an industry because it's the right thing to do I guess or um, what, what do you think it's
1: that's a really interesting question um, I think I think that the reality is what what happens in business life is that if you talk to your supplier and you tell them what is interesting or what's important to you and enough of their customers do the same then they might start changing their behavior so if enough customers come to us and say, you know, where are your ingredients from? You know, how are you making this? What's going into this? Then we start as a brewery thinking harder about it. I think that you've got to be a very confident, well-funded brewery to do the reverse, to to get out and say, I'm prepared to do this this is why it's important, this is why you should listen to me. I think that, you know, everybody's got commercial realities that come into play with this stuff. So if, you know, a brewery, you know, an urban brewery that starts doing its own, you know, um, indoor farming and, and, you know, those kinds of projects and young Henry's doing the algae and things Mm -hmm. like that, like... A brewery like us, we couldn't do it. You know, yeah. we, we, we don't have the ab- Yeah, understandably. Yeah, we, ju- we just don't have the ability to. But, you know, as an industry, we should be celebrating and encouraging the breweries that do have the capacity to to do a bit of this stuff because it makes it easier for us. You know, like... Um, uh, so in, in the States and Europe, um, there are areas where they're having CO2 shortages.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: as a consequence... You know, technology that was developed, you know, decades ago for big big breweries uh, around CO two recapture is being scaled down to smaller breweries to more affordable options. So you've you've got, you know, all this technology now that's being made available to small breweries. um, You know, so I think that that it, it works it works the same way. I think that the the people that have the capacity to do the right thing, quote unquote, um, should do the right thing because it will make it easier for everybody else down the
0: track. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like the CO2 recovery um, one as well, because I know there's like manufacturers like Hypro in Australia that can do it. It's just waiting for someone to say, yeah, let's put our money where where we want it to be in that respect yeah. in in those values but like you say it's a, it's a huge investment to try out this innovative technology to push the boat out and say you know we're going to lead the way in that kind of thing which is obviously uh, as you say why people like young henry's doing the algae project is so fascinating and interesting and one of the things that um when i spoke to richard Adamson, and well, a long while ago um when they first started to do that project was um, he was like, look, nothing might come of this, but I'm glad that we've given it a shot and, you know, we've tried it so that other people can either do it better or um, try something new. Um, And I think that's some of the beauty of the brewing industry, that it is willing to do that when it can. Um, And we just need to keep encouraging that, I guess, as you say.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like the brewing industry is absolutely unique amongst, you know, almost every other industry out there and that we are all willing to work together to like just improve the state of the industry um in our patch and around the world you know it doesn't work like that in many other industries out there and it's amazing and i and this is what i love you know being involved in um Mm -hmm. you know i'm i want to to see all of the breweries around me here down in Wollongong thrive like they're all like lovely lovely people and um you know you you just wouldn't wish you know any hardship upon them um so whatever you can do to help out you know whether it's just lending some yeast when they need it and things like that yeah yeah I love just absolutely love being part of this industry
0: Absolutely. Um, but, you know, we can't obviously ignore that there are some challenges. Um, and I really appreciate, Phil, that you mentioned how hard it was, particularly at the beginning of COVID um, with a new small person and um, dealing with huge strategy changes. Um, I spoke to Dave McGill at Deep South in Tassie a while ago, and he was like, look, we have to accept that this is Hard work. This is really stressful, especially when you're a founder, an owner, a, and a brewer all in one go. Um, it's obscenely difficult. And even if you're brewing and you're brewing 12, 14 hour days or something like that, you know, it, it is a stressful Situation, it's um, uh, as Matt Kierkegaard, uh, Bruce News Editor, always says. You know, it, it, it's an industry that mines passion, uh, and you know, I guess we have to be aware of that. Uh, but you've obviously clocked that and, and brought in Brent, uh, which is was fantastic. And and how has that changed the business? Um, hopefully, it's given you a little bit more time for maybe um, top level stuff. Um, and is that just like a progression that you need in a business like Vibe Barrel? Yeah, yeah.
1: look <laughs> like. When when, you, when you, you know, you're in business and you listen to podcasts and other people talk and they say you need to get to the point where you work on the business, not in the business, and, <laughs> you, know, and you, you just sit there thinking, like looking at your own experience and where you're at, like and you're like how the hell am I going to do that? Um, <laughs> uh, at, when, when we made the decision to employ Brent, we couldn't afford him. You know, it was just that simple. Um, but we couldn't afford not to employ him either. And that was, like, like the, the conversation that we had with him was, was basically, you know, we're new to all of this. Um, we're more than happy to bring you along on the journey. There's going to be some teething issues, and let's just work through it. And he, he's he been amazing. He's such a lovely person. He's an incredibly hard worker. And I, I feel like... We've abused him in some areas um, from from that, that you know, point where, you know, you're mining um, the, the passion. Um, but he's completely, uh, uh, you know, uh, taken over the reins as, as a brewer. Um, he, he's gotten me out of the, the brewery um, and I can now work on the business. Um, so there is – now that I can do that, we – Pay him properly. Um, you know that's that's the that's the big one. You know, and and he's that that's enabled us to um, employ another full time brewer, um, to employ two full time packaging people. Um, uh, so yeah, that was the, the employing Brent was the first step in getting us to be like a quote unquote proper brewery. Um,
0: you know, yeah at what point does that become a thing yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> does it ever happen I'm not sure <laughs> no no I mean
1: we still got a lot of equipment here that's um you know held together by uh like gaffer tape and and whatnot but you know,
0: the proper way the way, yeah
1: yeah yeah like he he um you know he's done so much for you know getting us to this point and um you know it, it, it was difficult at, at the start um you know it, it was we got to the point where um during covid um uh, I, I basically stopped taking a wage um you know i had to you know the the commitment was was to employ brent and and um and then andrew and you know we knew that if we got to the point where we had to let them go um they weren't coming back. So, you know, I stopped taking a wage, um, the, my brother and my sister stopped taking wages and, and we, um, we paid the employees and, you know, when we came out of, um, COVID, um, we still had a full team. We were able to, you know, keep production and everything going and, and then we rebuilt, um, from there basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and I, I know this ties into, and I don't know if you saw it last week, but, um, the IBA were talking about bringing, uh, getting brewers listed on skilled occupation lists. We've obviously got skill shortages. Um, and I know you nicked Brent from, uh, New Zealand as well. A skill shortage is a big issue either in, Um, your business obviously you've got a you've got the lineup now um but was it before and have you had uh, have any of the other breweries in sort of the illawarra region sort of experienced any of that those issues or is everyone pretty set now and we've managed to hold on to our brewers
1: I think I think locally everyone's pretty set um Mm -hmm. I think most of the breweries around here have been um uh kind of set up by owner brewers um Mm -hmm. so they they haven't yet got to the point where they need extra brewers um so uh i know one of them employs um the owner's employee another brewer um and he was a he was a local um scotty so yeah like locally we're not doing too badly um Mm -hmm. i i feel like um i'm i'm all for education and um and pushing down that path you know like tafe's uh, all around the country have offered winemaking courses and things like that. And I think it's phenomenal that we're rolling out brewing courses. Um, and obviously there's a huge demand for those. And, um, and I think it's great. And I, I think that there, there should be more opportunities for breweries to, you know, get involved with, with those things as well. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, look, I, I think that we, we definitely need that investment. Um, you know, I'm. I've. I have been a big proponent um, for a, a bit of a focus on quality, and, and I think that that in this industry, um, you know, because so much, so many of us have equipment just cobbled together from all sorts of bits and bobs and held together with <laughs> gaffer tape. Like, yeah. I guess that we we sometimes just churn out product for the sake of it, and I think that I'd really like to see you know, quality being on the, you know, front of everybody's um, agenda. And the thing is that quality, like, comes with, you know, uh, experience. So, you know, you need to know what you're you're looking for or you need to get out and you talk to people and, you know, find out what, what works. So, you know, we just need more... Um, you know, general uh, access to, you know, experience in, in the industry
0: as a whole, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting you say as well that um, some of the local breweries, and I know it's the same across the country, you know, they're still at that owner brewer stage. And then you're sort of in in the growth trajectory if if they do follow what Fire Barrels done? Eventually, they will be needing more brewers, yes. um, yeah. which will be really interesting to see in the next few years. You know, it, as we grow as an industry and we get to that point, you know, where are we going to get them from? Like we say, the Tafe pipelines and stuff are fantastic, but it does take a little while to come through them, and then as you say, gain that experience, particularly to become a senior or a head brewer, yeah. um, without having that. Um, you want a couple of years as uh, grafting as a junior brewer first, I guess. Um, so that's going to be absolutely fascinating to, to see where we get them from in future. And I wonder if um, New Zealand, the US, um, and Europe are potentially some of the places we will maybe um, maybe some Asian countries as well. Could we could source some good brewers from? Um, do you think we're going to see a lot of that, or do you think we're going to um, get some more homegrown ones quicker?
1: Um, I, I think I think that we're going to have to look to overseas markets. Um, when when I look around, what's Gone on in Australia recently, and what, what breweries are looking to achieve. Our brewing volume is going to be about 220 to 240,000 litres um, this financial year, and um, the complexity of managing that level of production um, on a five barrel system you know, mm-hmm. like six, seven hundred litres at a time is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I think about like all these other breweries out there that are looking to brew a million, you know, plus litres a year thinking, you know, you, you can't just go from a brew pub to a production brewery and think that it's going to be smooth sailing. So you, you, you need like you need to find experience from somewhere. And. We, we probably just don't have the brewers in the country that can take that leap, you know, that, that can transition um, a brewery from from producing, you know, forty fifty thousand 50,000 litres a year to, um, you know, a million in, in a reasonably short period of time. Like, you know, uh, you, yeah, having the confidence of, you know, to dump batches when you need to... Um, and those kinds of things like it's way cheaper to open a you know hook a, t- a hose up to the uh, tank and open a valve than it is to recall you know hundreds of cartons that you send out across the country oh, so
0: yeah Ooh, i don't even want to think about that um, no but, <laughs> yeah, one thing that is making it easier though phil is um a cheeky wee bit of brewery management software. Um, <laughs> and I believe that you are um, a man of many talents, apparently. Yeah. Um, and have also launched uh, an ERP? Yes. Enterprise yes. Resource yes. Planning, that's yes. right. So yep. Okay, lovely. Yep. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. What are, are you not busy enough? Did you <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's <I'm>, going on? <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so during, during COVID, when my wife said to me, You've got to do something different. Um, You've got to find a way of getting home to have dinner with with me and the kids. And and, uh, like, you know, a day in the life of Phil pre-COVID was, you know, in in at the brewery at at six in the morning, starting to produce beer. Um, You know, I'd mash in, I'd clean the fermenter. um, I'd go get the bottling line set up. Um, I'd, you know periodically look over at the kettle and or, or the mash tun and make sure it was okay. And, you know, we, we were basically cramming in brewing, cleaning, you know, cellaring, um, packaging, uh, all before 12 o'clock when you opened the, the tap room doors and you had to start serving people. And yeah, like it was, it was mental. You know, I'd, I'd get home at like 10 o'clock at night, um, and and then I'd still I'd work on excise reports and stuff like that and oh so God. it was it was savage um, yeah. and but that that's the life of so many small brewers and um, you know we, we started looking at brewing software because we we knew that we we just needed to manage the complexity step one of getting me out of the brewery was managing the complexity of like our processes and and putting our processes into, um, you you know, formalizing them was step one Um, because otherwise if we were to employ someone and we didn't formalize that, then it would just be carrying, you know, um, uh, all this, you know, debt essentially into this new person that is just set up to fail. So, you know, step one, needed to be get organized and um, that's really how how we started so you know I'd, i'd go and i'd go to mash in at six in the morning and go and collect the grain and then realize that we were out of something um so you know you're making substitutes you know on your your core range beers um before you've even had a coffee so you know it was yeah we were It was just an interesting way of of doing it and reflecting on it you know i I, you know shouldn't have done it but i did you know that was the that was just the the um kind of hole that i kind of found myself in and yeah so i i um i started writing um some software to basically keep track of inventory start managing production schedules we started getting um, our point of sale software uh, started going up in price. So I built in point of sale into, into Able to try and save some money there. Um, and yeah, I've, I've basically for the last four years or three yeah, three and a half, four years been chipping away at um, trying to formalize um, every part of running a brewery. Um, in this bit of software
0: and what are the sort of see this is an area which I'm surprisingly know quite little about considering I've been in the industry for like three and a bit years now Um, what are the comparables like what are the other software options out there like are they not as holistic or um, is this just very much tailored to you and what are your plans for it are you keeping it for, for you guys, or um, would you want to market that to someone else, or what what would you do with it?
1: Yeah, so the, there there are options out there, and and some of them some of them work really well, um, some of them uh, less so. I mean, every bit of software is going to have, you know, its ups and downs, and um, you know, and I'm sure Able um, is is going to be no different. But you know, um, my my goal with Able is to um, get in front of the, the breweries that were like me four years ago um you know probably doing 40 fifty thousand liters a, a, a year owner brewer really finding it difficult to make that leap to from from working in the business to working on the business and you know i i want to see the industry evolve and and get better and and to do more and um and i i think that I knew I needed to be organized. I didn't have the tools to do it. Um, and what I want to do is have this piece of software that's available and completely, uh, you know, open for them to, to use it and help them grow and develop their business. Um, so, you know, as, as simple as, as um, purchase orders uh, for um your your raw materials like we you know i set up a a schedule of production it tells me which materials need ordering we can send out an order um and they all get booked into inventory and then you've got you know all your materials sitting there when you need to brew so you know it's like those kinds of things sound really simple but when you're doing everything yourself it's it's just impossible to get everything right all the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And how far are you going to go with it? Because I know there was talk of um, integrating some of the keg companies' tracking systems and, and IoT and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. How deep are you going to go with it?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I've I've spoken to Convoy, um, and my my so this this really flipped this, this conversation that I had with the team at Convoy, flipped. Um, my understanding of what kegs were in, um, in a brewery. I've, I've always treated them as like a, an, an, asset. Um, they, they sit there, you use them just like you would a fermenter. But the, the conversation that I had with, with the convoy team was, um, they're, they're a material that gets consumed just like a, a bag of uh, hops or a bag of grain. Um, so when you come time to package your beer if you don't have kegs you know you're equally as stuffed as if you come to brew a beer and you don't have a a bag of grain so yeah like my my goal like with able is to smooth out all brewery operations um for smaller breweries and Given that the vast, vast majority of breweries in, in Australia use rental kegs, it was an absolute no-brainer to talk to someone like Convoy, who's heavily, you know, investing in uh, you know the technology side of things. So for us, it was um, yeah, pretty pretty easy to um, go down that path. So chat to them, see how we can work together to smooth those operations out, so that when you come to package off your your beer you've always got the kegs available that you need so um yeah we're, we're trying to work really hard with them um to to make that happen basically
0: yeah oh that's absolutely fascinating i, I just can't believe you have taken on this huge project as well um so have you got like a prototype what's the are you going to launch it is it and close to being done. Uh,
1: yeah, so, so it's, it's <laughs>
0: putting loads of pressure on. Yeah, here. give it, me your timeline.
1: It's done, and, and there, we, I've got several breweries using it. Um, oh, real. Yeah, so so it's uh, it's it is ready to go. Um, I've I've certainly got it past the minimum viable product um, phase of it, and I'm also um, working through an accelerator program down here in Wollongong uh, through uh, the University of Wollongong's um, uh, innovation campus so basically um, I'm just working through um, you know the, the steps to take this piece of software and turn it into a genuine product so um, you know I've got to learn how to sell the benefits of, of all of this so that you know I can get as many breweries around the country you know understanding that um, you know there are so many benefits to being organized
0: i wish i could figure that one out oh amazing right well we've come up to like an hour i think i'm so sorry i just couldn't help myself i needed to bring that one up because i was so fascinated by the idea you've given yourself another job on top of your owning a brewery job um so yeah that was fantastic thank you so much phil um now what's what's on the what's on the agenda for the next year for five barrel then before before i let you go um What's the future look like for you? What are the plans? Anything major happening, or um, just launching a whole new business, effectively?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not losing sight of the brewery. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so the breweries, you know, still taking up 90 percent of my time. Um, but yeah, look, we we do have some major things in in the um, pipeline. Um, nothing that we can really talk about just yet, but. Oh. You know we Ooh. yeah it's a bit of a tense. <laughs> but like our goal as we keep growing is to stay absolutely laser focused on being like a, a community oriented local brewery. Um, mm-hmm. You know we we live and breathe like support local, and that that's not going to change as we you know go forward. So um, you know any any kind of uh, you know future plans for growth and whatnot it's um it's kind of stay with that in in mind so you know unfortunately if you if you want five barrel beer it's um it's online or or you know come to
0: yeah i was gonna say get your butts down to new south wales um okay fantastic well thank you phil really appreciate you coming on the bearers of conversation podcast um sounds like so much is going on keep us in the loop um and let us know how everything's going
1: terrific thanks heaps claire